1: Them, we'll read them, then we'll give you answers. You know it, I've got it. I've got the answer, the answer. You ask me, I'll tell you anything. Oh, 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 help, help, help me? It's time to ask a lot of anything. So, a lot of people take their Podcasts as an opportunity to reveal personal things or gossip or, you know, give out opinions that they wouldn't give out otherwise. And so I always like to keep things light and, you know, we try to touch on social things. Um, But I've decided to take today's podcast, and of course we're going to answer questions because that's what the sponsors pay for, um, to share something personal that happened to me. So about what I thought was eight weeks ago, I found out that I was pregnant and it was very planned. Um, When you're married at 37, you tend to, you know, try for these things. We're very excited and there's a reason, you know, that you don't tell people these things because it's very touch and go, especially the older that you get. And I went for the first checkup at, at, I think it was like four to six weeks Um, and I heard the heartbeat and it was very exciting. And we only told a couple friends and close family, And then I went back at around 10 weeks to get my second checkup. And I had to change doctors. I had a doctor, my gynecologist that I've had since I was like 25, and I loved her, but she was out of network. And surprise, surprise, having a baby is very expensive. And surprise, surprise, like nobody cares about women's health. So I had to go in network, which is fine. I am forced to pay a lot of money to belong to two guilds that have a very specific health plan. So fine. So I changed doctors And from the second I walked into this doctor's office, I just had a weird vibe. The building is just kind of like a crappy building, but it's L.A. Most buildings are crappy. And I walk in, I was like, hi, I'm here to see the doctor. And the receptionist was like, okay, go over there, get a urine sample. At the nice doctor's office, you give a urine sample. The label is already on the thing. You put it in, you pee and you put it in a little secret hobbit door and you're done this place, I walk in. There's like an errant pen sitting on the counter. You're supposed to label your own urine. There were no blinds on the window. And even though we were like several feet above what turned out to be the view of a parking lot and a phone pole, I just thought it was a little weird, but okay. You know, it's Corona. We're all trying to get through stuff. I walk out holding my own urine and I say to the receptionist, Am I to just continue holding my own urine in my hand? Do I put it somewhere? She didn't even make eye contact. She was like, oh, go over there. And I was like, I'm sorry, over where? You know, here I am, I'm pregnant. It's a new doctor's office. You're looking for a little, not even sympathy, just compassion, a little TLC. And this nurse was in another room. She goes, come here. And I'm like, okay. This nurse is wearing a necklace with an AK-47 charm on it. Not illegal, (laughs) not, uh, it's just unacceptable. That is, you know, um, I don't care who you are or where you're from. An AK-47 is a symbol of death and we are trying to celebrate life here in an OBGYN's office, but okay, if she was awesome, I probably still would have been like, I hate that, but whatever. And I say to her, what do I do with this urine? She's like, just set it down. I'm like, set it down where? It was just very weird. There was no real eye contact. She's like, let me take your blood pressure. I'm like, okay, so I sit down with my legs crossed, not thinking and I'm texting. She reads my blood pressure. It comes back with an error. And I look at her and I said, am I supposed to uncross my leg? She was like, okay, sure. Like it was just the weirdest sort of disconnect of a process. So I'm starting to get frustrated because here I am. I'm pregnant. I'm nervous. Uh, it's only my second visit ever. It's a new doctor. I'm not near my doctor that I'm very used to and her staff. Um... So I just decide, you know what, I'm not going to give this any energy and I just go back to my phone. She's like, the doctor will me in a moment and then she just leaves. I'm like, okay. The doctor comes in, a doctor who's had a lot of great reviews. And I say to her in a very me way, I was like, hi, I'm sorry. I, I, did I do something? Your staff, it seems like they don't, you know, connect with people. I'm just walking around with my own piss in a cup through your lobby. And she was like, you know what? It's Corona. We're trying to keep people. It felt very much like she was, really wanted to defend her staff. And I didn't say the staff was bad. I'm just like, you know, there's an AK-47 off of her necklace. This just all feels... And I think the doctor who was very nice was kind of like, we are women helping women and we're doing the best we can. I'm like, totally. But I think customer feedback is important. The point is, it was all very humbling because I'm sitting there just saying, you know, I don't know you or this doctor's office and it feels a little uncomfortable. She's like, okay. And I lean back to get my sonogram and she was like, this baby is measuring very small. And there's no heartbeat. So, from a comedic's point of view, a comedic point of view, it's like, I don't like your staff. She's like, cool, your baby's dead. So, it was super humbling. But she told me that, you know, and here I've been carrying this baby, taking every precaution, doing everything, and it had been dead for two weeks, meaning shortly after that first visit when I heard the heartbeat and I nicknamed it Mango, um, because we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, uh, but we knew. That it was a Chris Kattan character. <laughs> no, Um. The, the, shortly after my first visit, uh, the fetus had died. And so she's measuring it. She's like, it's very small. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just eat more. And she's like, I don't hear a heartbeat. So of course you kind of just go numb. And then I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I just like read this woman, the riot act because her staff was shitty, but now the baby. So she said, but let's double check. I'm going to send you to a specialist. I'm like, okay. She was like, he's just down the street. Um, here's the address, you can drive or walk. And I said, okay, I'll just walk. Because Emily was waiting in the car for me somewhere, but I didn't know how to process anything. So I'm walking down a street in Hollywood, just dripping tears through my giant Lou Wasserman sunglasses and into my mask. And I arrive. And what was weird was before I went, she said, you know what, let's get a second opinion and let's take care of you first. And the let's take care of you is something that I clung to as something comforting but really was a totally empty gesture and here's why. So I get to this new specialist. Nice office. Um, I'm not one of those women that looks at other women and their children and feels like the universe is rubbing it in my face. It does add a little insult to injury to be crying under a mask and sunglasses and there's already people there in the office like it's just weird how some waiting rooms have people and some don't. Some do social distancing, some don't. And they're there with their children. So I'm sitting there like listening to these kids scream and you're like, oh God. And I can't really call anyone because there's no service in the hospital. I'm just, And I don't want people to see that I'm crying because I don't know them. So I'm just like snot crying into this mask. I arrive and the first thing they want me to do is fill out paperwork. And I'm thinking, why if it's all within network? Surely there's some sort of, I don't know, worldwide web where all of this should be accessible because we're all in the same network with the same insurance in the same hospital group. So the first question they ask me, which is the first question they ask me at the original doctor's office is, um, first date of your last period, date of birth. So you give it to them. Everybody wants to know the first date of your last period. It's just, even though it's been written down several times, you've told several people it's in every file. First date of last period, date of birth. And then I have to give my credit card. So you're doing all of these perfunctory administrative things and all you want to do is crawl into a hole. They take my paperwork. They scan my insurance card, not credit card. They scan my insurance card. Again, wouldn't be here if I didn't have the insurance. Okay. Finally, the doctor calls me in. Uh, I always thought it'd be weird to have a male... He's not a gynecologist, but a male specialist. Oh my God, it turns out like I went to the shoeshine guy. It was the wrong office. Um, But in that moment, it wasn't. And he confirmed that there's no heartbeat. So in that moment too, it's also interesting because I'm like, you know what? Don't care if it's a guy or a girl as long as somebody does a good job. Anyway, so he confirms and I'm crying and I'm crying so hard that he says, if you want to take your mask off, it's okay. So I take my mask off and it's the kind of crying that I haven't had since I was little where you're like, oh, I can't get a word. like breakup crying I'm crying because it's, you know, you had all these thoughts as, as careful as you were, you still had all these thoughts about, you know, I don't have to explain to you why it's sad to lose a baby anyway, um, or fetus or collection of cells or whatever you want to call it. And so I say, of course, naturally, you know, was it something I did? And he looks at me and he says, why don't you get dressed and come see me in my office? And I'm like, oh my God, I have cancer. <laughs> He's going to tell me I have like Jurassic Park HIV or something. And, and this is where they tell He doesn't want to tell me I'm dying with my pants off. So I get dressed and I go in his office and he very sweetly said, I just wanted to have a moment with you to look you in the eye to tell you that you did nothing wrong. Um, this is a chromosomal thing. Your body, it's just nature. They, your body knows to get rid of it. And then he said, better to see you now than three months from now, which is totally fair. Noah had a joke about how people always find that silver lining about like, it's, it's better you lost it now versus later. But nobody's ever like, you probably it would probably be best if you lost the baby given that it's a pandemic. Nobody ever uh, in a perfunctory way says, in the future, it's better if you lose it. Anyway, but he was right. You know, I'd rather be less attached when it happens. And I said, well, why didn't my body get rid of it? Why didn't I have a miscarriage? And he said, just so you know, miscarriages are totally normal. And I said, I know, it's one out of every four women. And he said, it's actually one out of every three. So weirdly, you know, I pride myself on being an individual, but knowing that I am no different than the majority of women out there was very comforting. It's not a weird thing. It's not something I did. It's not some medical abnormality. It's just extremely normal. And then he said to me, And I I said, well, how come my body didn't get rid of it? And he said, I don't know. It's called a missed miscarriage, meaning your body missed the signal to get rid of it. Um, And so I said, what do I do? And he said, well, let's take care of you first. And he said, there's two ways to do it. You can take a pill that will force your body to miscarry. And it's interesting that he even asked that because just that morning I was reading about how Senator Ted Cruz was rallying against a pill that would do that. And I having no information about miscarriages, thinking I was pregnant, wrote an impassioned tweet about how, you know, you're just limiting women's options and that pill should be legal. But I didn't want to take the pill because I don't know what a miscarriage looks like or feels like and I didn't want to go through that at home. And he said, or you can get something called a DNC, uh, informally known as a dusting and cleaning, which apparently is an acronym that every woman knew about but me prior to the visit. And a DNC and all the nurses listening are like, we know what it is, we do it all day. Uh, It's basically where they go in and they clean out your uterus um, and it's a procedure and it's an outpatient thing but you got to go in and do it and he said if you were my daughter we would do a DNC and so I said okay let's do it and he was like okay uh, I got to refer you back to your original doctor the one with the AK-47 nurse to get you an appointment I was done really crying about the the loss of the baby at that point it hurt, it's normal, it's to be expected of course we all think we're special, it's not going to happen Um But that's what started the trauma of everything was the insult to injury of spending the next five hours Emily going back and forth with the nurse's office while they attempted to contact the one doctor that they know that they work with that does this procedure. Five hours later of sitting at home just pounding coffee because I could have as much as I wanted now and they're like, okay, we got you in for Friday. It was Tuesday and they meant Friday Of the next week, what? Oh, you're here Thursday Thursday for a consultation.
2: Wednesday, right? But it it wasn't just it wasn't Tuesday talking about Friday. It was Thursday talking about the following following week or Wednesday talking about the following week. Yeah. Here they're
1: saying you've lost your baby, and we're going to need you to. And even though your body's held on to, it, I know you're thinking like, oh, what's one more week? It's extremely traumatic to tell a woman the baby inside you is dead, and we need you to hold on to it for a full over another week. Just because we really only called the one doctor that we work with. And I just thought to myself, I don't know how a woman without connections, a woman who maybe doesn't have the greatest insurance or any insurance, I don't know how they deal with this. I called the specialist who of course now was out of the office I got a hold of their after hours nurse and of course as a woman you're constantly having to reveal more information their concierge service picked up and I said I'm trying to get a hold of Dr. So-and-so oh he's out of the office what is this in regard to I'm like none of your fucking business you're like a securitas worker who's just taking a memo I'm not gonna what do you want me to say uh my fetus died like who the fuck are you I get a hold of his after-hours nurse who calls his receptionist. She calls me back and she says, I remember you, I'm so sorry you're going through this. And that was the first person to say that to me all day. And she was like, let me call our doctors that we work with and try to get you a quicker appointment. In the meantime, I called my personal physician who is a friend of mine and I told her about the horrible experience. And she said, that's absolutely unacceptable. And she made a call and ended up getting me in with a fantastic OBGYN who took me that week. And it's not about, oh, you're a celebrity. It really was just about me being tenacious and not accepting no for an answer. It was a holiday weekend. But here, my original doctor, who obviously didn't have the best staff, was just very willing to be like, look, we only called the one and they don't work Wednesday, so we got you on Thursday. And you can't go in for a DNC day of. You've got to go for a consult. Even though two doctors had confirmed... The baby was dead, you still have to go in, so I did. We got it taken care of. Um, and I'm sharing this with you. I don't want your pity, I don't need I feel absolutely fine, but I just want to share it because I started talking on stage when I thought I was pregnant, and even before I was pregnant about how um when you ask a woman, you know, "Are you thinking of having a kid?" People don't realize how loaded that can be, and it's okay to ask, and it's a normal thing to ask, but most women aren't going to want to share this. But what I found to be so beautiful was the bonding. When I was pregnant, I was able to bond with strange strange women, just random women who have had children and that was very beautiful. But even in losing it, the amount of women that are like, oh, I've had several. And it was just like a new chapter in my journey as a woman. And of course, if you don't have a miscarriage, that's great too. And if you don't have kids, that's okay too. It was just another avenue, uh, a way in which to bond with women. And having the procedure, it's of course, the um, fear itself is the whole thing. They give you a pill the night before that softens your uterus. I didn't know that it was going to give me contractions. So I woke up at 1 a.m., horrible, horrible cramps, bleeding, thinking to myself like, oh, maybe I'll just pass it on my own. I didn't but the actual DNC itself takes under 60 seconds. But you've got to go in, you've got to take your vitals. They give you a drug, which was super fun. Um, and they were like, if you bleed even more, like during the procedure, if something's going wrong, we'll give you, um, oh God, what's it called? What's the propofol? And I was like, ooh, that's the Michael Jackson drug. And I thought, oh, please have a complication so I can have some propofol, but I didn't. I woke up that night, I drank and ate sushi. And to my husband's credit, The moment I found out I lost the baby, he was in Texas and I called him, of course, crying and he was very, you know, it's sad. He caught, he was coming home the next morning. He caught a flight. He, from that evening, came home and arrived home with sushi and wine, which I just thought, what a guy. You know, the bad news is you lost the baby. The good news is you can go back to all the vices that you had before, Um, at least for a little bit. So I'm totally fine. I'm not... You know, and I didn't post about it because it's my story to tell. It's my thing to put in the act, and I didn't feel like dealing with people being like, "Oh, you're pro, you're pro-choice." Good thing you lost the. Ba-. I just didn't feel like idiots dealing with it, with uh, dealing with them and their comments. So that's what happened to me. It's also not that rare, and it's not that special. It's traumatic because it happened, but. You know, I've spoken to so many women and it's it's like going to the dry cleaners. Like, oh yeah, I had a DNC. Oh yeah, I had a couple of miscarriages. So it's something that does bond women. I'm totally okay. The second the procedure was over, I had no more, I didn't have any cramps. You know, I other than the fact that I couldn't work out for two or three days, so I was just like so bored. I'm fine. It's fine. Um, and it, I'm not sad about it, you know, onward and upward, but I wanted to share that. Because it is something I will talk about and I'm going to use it as a chance to just make sure that other women don't feel so bad because there's nothing to be ashamed about. And in the back of my head, I was like, you know, I tend to lean on the counter when I do my work and I eat a lot of candy. And they're like, it had nothing to do with that. Um, Emily was also very sweet when I got in the car and I was like, I lost the baby. She was like, okay, do you want to hear the ABBA soundtrack?
2: No, it's Cher doing covers
1: of ABBA. Excuse me. The most important note. So that's your bottom of the (laughs) (laughs) cob. That's my bottom of the cob is losing a baby. Um, But I'm fine. It's fine. And truthfully, your journey on the way to motherhood or not have being a mother, it's totally personal, totally yours. And I will only speak about it when I feel like speaking about it. Hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, turns out I'm totally normal. But also guess what? If you submit a question asking when
2: they're gonna have babies, I'm never gonna ask Eliza that question. Yeah. So many people are like, When do you think you're gonna start a family? We're not answering that.
1: Because and it's We're also, not
2: telling you about our
1: family. I'm totally healthy and it's totally fine. And they were like, you don't, you know, there's nothing else you need to do. But like when you ask someone like, When are you gonna have kids? And I've talked about this on stage, like, you don't know what that woman's going through. Right. Oh, I only have one fibroid and I lost my ovary. Like, there's so many Trust, you asking is not going to help a woman have uh-huh. a baby. No one's going to be like, you know what? I should have a baby. Let me find an alley mattress. So whether you are me and you just lost one or you're, you have fertility issues or you're adopting or you're getting a surrogate, they're so it's so complicated, it's so personal, um, and we're all out here just trying, trying to not get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, trying to keep that baby, trying to have a normal baby. So no gender reveal party for me at the moment. <laughs> But I'm cool. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while well, introducing newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. And they have fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state of the art laundering facility. Plus, the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work, she always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles, but right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's dot com. Newly with two U's, with code ELIZA20 newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I'm busy. You just want to get right into questions? Well, I'm fine. Honestly, I'm a very... And, you know, someone called, they're like, I know you're trying to act tough. I am tough. I cried my eyes out. I didn't share it on social media because there's a fine line between being vulnerable and seeking attention. And I just never want that... We're all trying to get attention. We're on social media, but I think there's an art to it. And I didn't want to post a picture of me in the hospital. Like, everything's fine. Like, knowing, you know but I do need to commune with people. I do need to share stuff. I do need to express myself as an artist. So the post that night where I was playing Mexican Train Dominoes, I had to say something and I didn't want it to be veiled or coded. So I was like, I'm fine. Here's a little anecdote about being at the doctor's office. It could have been anything. But interestingly enough, a lot of the comments from women were so compassionate in my heart. I was like, these women know. They know what happened. Um
2: yeah, I mean, there aren't that many medical things that you don't you just help it. You'd be like, it I has, broke my arm. Yeah,
1: it either has to do with your butt or your vagina. Your Other than that, you so tell th- everyone.
2: What? Is, what? Could, what? What do you mean your butt? Like something bad came out of there? Yeah, and I even shared or something what, bad went in there. Either
1: way, and I and I shared about Kashi. So clearly, I'm.
2: And that has really sparked a lot of people saying "me too." A
1: revolution. <laughs> Hashtag me too, Kashi. The, just like me too, butt edition. Yeah. Anyways, I'm fine. Thoughts and prayers. Um and uh kick it. Right? Kick it. Yeah. I'm I'm eating. I'm not a big sushi eater anymore because Blanche died while we were in Japan and it's really bad for the ocean. We did get uh responsible stable stably sourced sushi, uh, sustainable sushi. <laughs> but um
2: Stealth, shelf stable sustainable. I don't even
1: like wine. We've been drinking wine every night. I don't give a back. I'm chugging coffee. I even get weird after a cup. I'm like, I'm gonna get it in while I can. You had two cups today. I'm still taking the prenatal vitamins because my nails look amazing. Okay, kick it. All right.
2: Hi, Eliza.
1: I'm getting massages on my belly. I'm getting my neck cracked. I'm doing everything. All right, I'm ready. All right,
2: not sure if you've tackled the issue yet on the pod, but I have a dilemma. A friend of mine has been bamboozled, hoodwinked, and
1: swindled. Are we allowed to say bamboozled? Yes. Okay.
2: Okay. Uh, into joining an essential oil MLM called Young Living. Yeah,
1: I, I watched the documentary.
2: I can't believe she fell for this, but she is a new mom and MLMs prey on new moms. By rub it in,
1: rub it. Oh my God, I'm just kidding, go ahead.
2: By promising <laughs> financial freedom and basically claiming that if you don't use their all natural products, you're a bad mommy. I tried to be open-minded, but after one is Google that search, what they claim? I, don't I mean, you would be. Su- I
1: see a lot of because I subscribe to the anti MLM subreddit. I ate, I ate a lot of, of candy, and I lost my fetus. So maybe there is something to that. I'm kidding, folks.
2: Uh, brand new moms by promising financial freedom, basically claiming that if you don't use their all natural products, you're a bad mommy. I tried to be open-minded, but after one Google search, I found out that the guy who started this business was up to some shady shit, pretending to be a doctor and accidentally drowning his own daughter during childbirth. For starters. I used to look up to this friend so much. She's a four-year-old. She's oh, four my years God. older than me. Yeah,
1: in the documentary, Young, I think they talk about it.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, and is the last person I ever thought would fall for an MLM. Thankfully, she isn't annoying about it, has never asked me to buy things, just said What's, she wants to make right. me a little sample to try, asked me to join a Zoom meeting once, which oh, I lied God. and said I was busy. She has an Instagram that I follow, but that is the extent of my support of this absolute fuckery. My question is, Am I a shitty friend for not buying things from her? I don't even use essential oils, but they also sell other shit like makeup, household cleaning products, et cetera. They say when your friend has a business, you should support that business, but it's not a business. It's an MLM. I am extremely against them, but can't help but feel like she's disappointed that I'm not supporting her. She drank the Kool-Aid is totally brainwashed into believing she will one day pay cash for her child's tuition and own a multimillion dollar house. What would you do, actively avoid or bite the bullet once and try and support her? I literally am not interested in a single overpriced product, it would just be to support her, one more little bit more context. Another friend and I are basically a trio with this girl because we all met at the same side job during our early 20s. Me and this other friend live about 20, 40 minutes from her now, meet up for girls' night every few months. So I'm not in constant contact with this person. So she's easy to avoid. Uh, ending the friendship or trying to talk her out of this is not an option. Sincerely, how are people still falling for pyramid schemes?
1: Um, I think- a lot of people fall for these things and I think there's nothing wrong with being industrious. And by the way, they do dangle that carrot of like, you could be the woman making all this money if you hustled. A big problem with these types of schemes is that there's so many people in your area that already sell it. Yeah. So nobody really wants it. Um, weirdly, one of my good friends loves Rodan and Fields, which is also an MLM. Mm-hmm. She like buys all their stuff and loves it. You know, there's... It's it's a slippery slope because it's like if you buy the one thing, will she be cool with that? You know, how much is she struggling? Is it she just wants some extra cash? Or and all, it's like okay, if I buy this fifteen dollar eucalyptus oil, is this really moving the needle either way? So it is more of the gesture. If yeah, I think there's two ways to look at it. Like it is an industrious thing that empowers mostly women. It is a total scam. If you really hate all the products, look, look, you need lip gloss. You're going to need soap. So maybe swap out one product to be like, look, look, I want to support you um, and I support what you're doing. I'm like, I just don't want to talk about it and do this one thing. I don't think it's the biggest deal if you buy one product um, and kind of shame on her if she like keeps hawking you about it. It sounds like she's not being annoying, but here's the thing that I wonder about. because like you're being annoying. I am, no,
2: I am subscribed to the anti-MLM subreddit. And uh, number one, the people besides like the top, top tiers, people don't make any money. Like it's not a good investment of your time, but I've seen a lot of people who will share with their friend, you know, here are some statistics before their friend gets into deep. So I wonder what sort of obligation this person has to their friend to be like, heads up, like you're gonna lose money.
1: I think I think you, in the vein of being like, look, I'm trying to be a good friend. I hope, because I know they make you buy the products right up top, which is really how they make their money also. If she's in deep, if she's really drank the Kool-Aid, if there's no turning back, so you buy one product.
2: Can you buy one and let her know, like, I'm happy to support you, but I'm concerned for you because of these reasons. If you go to reddit.com slash r slash anti-MLM, there's a lot of great resources. I have seen people where they've been messaged and they've gone, oh, I didn't
1: realize like how much of a- Send her a link to the Netflix documentary Unwell, (laughs) even though it's a really boring documentary they do something about the essential oil game. Mm-hmm. Just maybe on her own, she realizes she's a cog, but you know, here she might be really scared. Maybe she needs that money. And she's, I, I don't have all the pieces to this. Right. It's not the end of the world. If you buy one product and be like, I'm doing this to support you and we're done.
2: Here's what I'll tell you. There's also a Reddit called beer money, reddit.com slash, yeah, slash not with beer the reddit. money. Nope, but stop. here's the reason that you I keep say talking this.
1: through me. Nobody is writing down the Reddit thread that you're saying. These are not Reddit people.
2: But here's the thing, there's a lot of compiled resources there of surveys you can take online. I've taken surveys that have given me like 70 Amazon dollars, like, like focus groups. Am
1: I in the wrong job?
2: No, it's, it's focus groups and stuff, product testing. Like there are other things she could put her time into that would get her money more easily than this. Like there are better online yes. at-home solutions. There are also
1: other jobs you can do that don't involve buying something up front. Yes. Never so, do a job where you have to pay money up front. I don't know her situation. I don't know her. I don't know her constitution. I don't know how smart she is. I don't know if you're the type of friend that she would want to hear that from. It's all these things. Mm-hmm. I say at the end of the day, you buy a soap, you be done with it. And then she let, watch, let her sink. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because also, um, I've definitely, had, unrelated to MLM, Like I've had friends that are like, I had a friend who was like, I'm into stand-up now. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to stand in your way, and I hope you do well. And they gave it up like three months later. People, Things have a way of getting into people's heads, and because they're not succeeding, people want, especially in America, we're so promised instant success that she'll probably drop it. Like, the writing on the wall will reveal itself, and she'll probably stop if she's not doing well. I hope she does do well, you know? She's not going to. Okay. It's going to be a money suck. Money suck. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with. And there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's hel slash Eliza. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like French.
2: Anonymous, hey, Eliza, my grandma passed away nine months ago after battling dementia for many years.
1: Oh, it's kind of better than, you know, at least you have the nine months versus just the two.
2: Caring okay, for it's, her. this is a fetus joke, I'm cool. Caring for her through this struggle was very hard on my grandpa. Towards the end of my grandma's illness, grandpa's old high school girlfriend looked him up and started visiting him.
1: Toward the end of my grandma's illness. Her
2: grandpa's old girlfriend. Looked him up because yeah. she
1: smelled blood in the water. Mm-hmm.
2: Even though grandma couldn't remember or articulate much at this point, she was still very hurt seeing another woman sneaking over to visit him outside and hugging him goodbye when she left. Now that grandma has passed, grandpa has been trying to spend more time with this woman. However, we've learned that this woman is still married and is nursing her husband through leukemia. Yeah. Of course, no one in the family wants to support grandpa in dating a woman who is married to a man who needs her support right now, but grandpa is begging us to accept her, saying that she's the love of his life, though his wife of 55 years just passed. Grandpa isn't one to express his emotions and we're afraid he's being manipulated by this woman in his grief and that she may only be interested in his money. Ooh. Even more, grandpa has started moving her things into his house where he lives with his son, daughter-in-law and three grandsons against everyone's will. Apparently this woman is divorcing her sick husband from my grandpa now. My mother and her siblings don't even want to speak to him at this point. Should we do more to try and stop what's happening or how do we keep this event from tearing our family apart even though no one is Hold about on. to accept this woman in with a I hear it, homes? I it
1: are they living in grandpa's house or or is grandpa grandpa living in their house? That's an important question. Because if they're living in his house, that's kind of gross. That's a lot of people to be depending on grandpa. I don't know how much money he has. It could be like an IRA that he's going to cash in. My mother, when she was a guest on our podcast, sort of addressed a similar thing. And I think she talked about her own dad and how, you know, older men need, like they're always remarried immediately. Mm -hmm. Women are like, I'm just mourning his loss for 80 years. Um, It just has to do with, you know, older men kind of needing someone and how it kind of makes them feel good again and stuff like that. I would look a little bit deeper into this. Does your grandpa actually have money? What is she really after? The fact that she is, her husband is dying, like people, especially when they're older, you don't have a lot of time. The fact that he's calling the love of his life, I don't know. The money thing I would look at. Because it doesn't seem like he has really a ton of money if he's living with his kids right or are they living with him in his mansion right.
2: it's i think you can't account for how someone is grieving like grandpa connecting with the old high school girlfriend i don't love it but it's you know it is what it is but bringing her in front of his wife who is dying of dementia is not okay like that's really disrespectful for sure
1: but you're saying she has dementia and couldn't articulate anything and you're like but she was hurt and you're like was she or were you hurt for her i mean
2: but either way it's like to bring the woman there
1: in front of her is not cool maybe they had a talk maybe in a moment of of her being lucid she was like i want look it actually doesn't matter because she's dead now Um, Mm. and your grandpa isn't. And if he's still active and able to do stuff and these people want to salvage what's left of their life, as long as he is not putting himself in any financial danger and as long as this isn't, you're like, I want to get 30 grand when he dies. Mm. Maybe look at the paperwork. Who's in charge of his estate? Is there even an estate? It's always so easy to be like, that woman's a gold digger or they could just be two emotionally distraught people. So I think you need to look at it. I wouldn't begrudge your grandpa the chance to be with this woman. Mm. Um, You also don't know about her husband. Like, he could be a dick. He could have been abusive. He could be on death's door, and she is grieving her way. So before we call her a gold digger, let's take a real look at those finances. Uh. If he's living with somebody else, like that's someone else's house, moving her stuff in is very weird. Yeah. Um, I also wonder, is it really her stuff, or is it like a scarf? So I need... This also sounds a little hyperbolic.
2: Yeah, get some more info. It's a tough situation for everyone. Hi, Eliza and Emily. I was listening to today's Pandemic Lap Dance episode, and I laughed out loud at the message from the Naval Academy with regards to Kashi Golene Crunch. Mm -hmm. I'm a 2010 graduate of the United States Military Academy, and I have vivid memories of being served full-size boxes of Kashi Golene at breakfast. To add insult to butthole injury, (laughs) we would also be served Arnold's double-fiber bread on the same day during lunch. The aftermath of that day was almost always an intestinal crime scene to the point that my friends and I started warning each other when it was double fiber day in the mess hall.
1: Kind of gives a new term meaning to re- lock and load. <laughs> I was on the crew team Whoa.
2: and there were repeat fiber offenders in our eight-person boat, so it was more of a self-preservation warning than anything. Can't wait to get my hands on the do Panic Pantry cookbook, Whitney. If, if, Why are we so against our nation's military? That we're I, well, them? I
1: understand keeping them regular, and I can I can say this: like when you travel, like your poop cycle kind of gets off, and mm. you can be constipated, stuff like that. So I think, but just like the military regulating your body surreptitiously is really weird. But you got to keep it regular. You got because there's sand going in. There's you know there's bullet sand discharge, going in. sand going in, desert storm, kick it. <laughs> <laughs> You should have other options, non-fiber options. <laughs>
2: but to serve that and the bread on the same day is an aggressive murder.
1: People get stopped up in basic training. You gotta get it through because nobody wants to hear, I have I'm constipated, I can't do basic training, sir.
2: <laughs> no way. Hi, Liza and crew! Big Re-work fan, it. and Unveiled has helped me get through wedding planning pre and post COVID. Anytime I start to get stressed out about it, I just rewatch Unveiled, and it makes me laugh and reminds me that the only thing that matters is that what my fiance and I want out of the day. We are at a month and a half out, uh, October tenth, twenty twenty. Uh, So now we're closer. And luckily, COVID hasn't really changed many of our plans due to the venue being outside and being amazing to work with. That being said, one of my bridesmaids had a wedding scheduled for February 2021, and they have canceled due to COVID. She hasn't made any comments about not participating in the bachelorette or wedding, but it's making me second guess our plan to plow on through despite COVID. And my worry is that she will back out at the last second. Tips on navigating this and or event planning in this crazy world. P.S. We booked the Asheville show for Veterans Day as a one month anniversary event. My FH future husband is an army vet. Hope you get to do it. XOXO Elizabeth. I'm definitely not getting to do it. So
1: see you next year. Um, I don't know where you live, but I'm assuming North Carolina. It's tough because living in LA, which is just a giant Petri dish, you know, our cases are crazy. New York City, the cases are crazy. And so, you know, not unlike voting... It all affects you know where you live, I'm sorry, affects your outlook on this stuff. Um, this if you really want to do this and it is outdoors, I would ask that I would tell I would ask that your guests, if I were you, all get corona tests. Mm. The Bachelorette party seems ugh, I hate to say it, it's like a little selfish. If you're going out and you're interacting with other people, all it takes is just that one friend who you know went out to eat and touched someone else and whatever. So I understand you wanting to do all this stuff. I understand if everybody promises to quarantine and you all have a bachelorette party at your house, like you all have a sleepover, but when you're involving other people and this is a pandemic, I just would take a serious look at the health of others. This isn't about you as a young, healthy person getting sick. This is about you go wine tasting, you touch, you know, an older woman who hands you a bottle of wine or you go out to eat or you're drinking at a bar. You know, these statistics are still very alive and well. So I would talk to your friend, um... I think getting tested is a great idea. Quarantining if you can, you know, get the test and then you can't, it can't be I get the test and then go out tomorrow. Like it takes 24 hours to incubate. So just get all the facts and just know that this is the reality that we live in. Uh, You seem a little bit more concerned with your friend not making it versus the fact that this could be something that potentially spreads. If you're going to like a lake party, just know it just takes one. mm. So I would just be safe about it. I just got like my fourth Corona test and I only did it for Emily. Yeah. Which I keep rubbing in. But it was free. It was free. Uh it's
2: hard because I think you can maybe do the outdoor wedding, but to do the get together, I think that has to be later when and the things truth are is, safe.
1: You'll do an outdoor wedding. Everyone will go to the dance floor. They're all going up to the buffet. Like, are the people it's who are just... serving food, are they wearing PPE? I guess if you live in a place where there have been no cases, mm-hmm. but Hawaii had like no cases and then it did. And you yeah. don't know where this will be in a couple months. So just survey it. At the very least, have all your bachelorettes, whatever, your bridesmaids, get a corona test, and then please do something self-contained. Please don't go to a bar. And right now... And by the way, being outside doesn't cure it. Mm -hmm. It just makes it... Slightly less likely that you'll get it.
2: Yeah. Get all the info about when you can cancel things. What are the deadlines for canceling venues without being penalized? Like, just have all your info so that you know, like, the drop dead date where you have to either cancel it or go ahead with it. Just have your info and keep an eye on the news, basically. Kick it. Hi, Eliza. Just Eliza. No one else. Just kidding. Hugs and high fives to the whole crew. Emily, please read this in your best British accent. Okay. I Do it. female went out with.
1: She said, "Best, but not best old shrew <laughs> who why. lives in a tree."
2: Went out with this guy a year ago, and there was no chemistry. But we did actually stay friends, having gotten to know him as a friend. How kind he is! How much we actually have in common, and most importantly, how well he handles my weirdness. It still sounds old-timey. It does no? It just sounds old. <laughs> I. Why is it like him now? Do you want me to read it? No. I honestly cannot tell what he thinks of me. I can't tell if he's just a nice guy or if I said something. I can't focus on the question you cuz you're you is me to so, so weird. Just read
1: it normal.
2: Okay, I female went out with this guy a year ago. There was no Whoa, chemistry. Is the
1: guy a male? Yeah. Don't assume.
2: There was no chemistry, but we did actually stay friends. Having gotten to know him as a friend, how kind he is, how much as we have in common. As a mate and most importantly how well he handles my weirdness I legit like him now I honestly cannot tell what he thinks of me I can't tell if he's just a nice guy or if I if I said something he'd be into it but maybe any tips on how to he's do this it. no I won't write a letter I can't have written proof of something oh that could be horribly embarrassing <laughs> they knew I was
1: going to say write a letter no I specifically won't specifically
2: would like to know how to make him make a move or give the heaviest hint that I can still pretend was nothing in case it doesn't go my way he's so as to preserve our
1: friendship here's no. my question into who into decided
2: you. to just but the, there he's wasn't chemistry you. and they decided to stay friends so what's
1: Changed. No, 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 no. There wasn't chemistry on your end. There is chemistry on his end. And men will hold on for years, just like grandpa, if there's a chance that your current husband dies of leukemia and you want to come round his way. Mm. Men are, women will be like, I think he's gross, but oh my God, such a good friend. Men don't do that.
2: Mm.
1: He is hanging on, hoping that there's a chance. And you know what? It's cool that you got – broach it because if you're really friends, he'll be like, I just don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. and But I want to stay friends with you, just like you did to him. He is down. I'm telling you, nobody hangs out like that. And you know what? Further proof, I had a friend I spent a lot of time with. We hung out all the time. And when I got married, I noticed that he kind of stopped communicating with me. Not in a mean way. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's, it's less appropriate, even though I have plenty of male friends but I have plenty of male friends who stuck around because we were truly friends. And that friend was like, peace out. So yeah. tell him how you feel because I promise you he likes you.
2: Oh, let's not promise. promise. Well, what are they going to do? Sue me? I don't
1: know. Just lost my baby. Oh, boy. <laughs>
2: Hi, Eliza. I live in Israel, so please excuse me if I make any kind of mistake in this message. I'm 16 years old, and I want to be a comedy writer. I already have some ideas for shows, but I was wondering how you approach writing a new act. Do you carry a notebook with you? Do you just write any funny thought you have, or does it have to be more specific? Thank you so much, my friends, and I love your specials, and we hope to one day see you perform live.
1: Mm, shalom. shalom. Uh, well- don't you have to do like two years of military service in Israel? In Israel, like Gal Gadot? So I would put off writing that act until you get through that, <laughs> um, or maybe it's about that. Uh, how do I write a new hour? Well, it's different. You want to be a writer. You don't want to do stand up, right? Uh, I just closed
2: it. It was comedy.
1: Okay. Look. let's um,
2: do comedy.
1: Here's what you need to know: since you're not a comedy writer and you're wanting to get into it, mm-hmm. always write what you know. And that is not proprietary advice. Everybody will tell you that it's true. Though, write what you know, and you're in the unique position. You, know, you're, most people don't have military experience. I'm assuming you've done it or are going to do it. I don't know. Always write what you know. Never think for a second that your experience isn't unique. Okay. Uh, And don't assume that just because you're different than others that there isn't something relatable there. Mm -hmm. So I would write down in stand-up, you know, when you start, you know, you have like five minutes to differentiate yourself from other people in the lineup, which is why so many people, when they start, they talk about their immigrant parents or being a certain ethnicity or growing Mm -hmm. up in a certain household or why they're so weird at dating. You know, you're trying to separate yourself from the other person in the lineup who may look like you Mm -hmm. and make yourself stand out. So maybe sit down. What's unique about your story? Are your parents weird? Is your mom a certain way? Did you grow up doing a certain thing? You know, what makes you unique? What makes it funny or weird or sad? Mm -hmm. And go from there.
2: And you have a notebook, but because you do stand-up, I don't know what you did when you start out, but you tend to work out stuff on stage. Mm -hmm. But, and then I think repetition is key. Like you're always getting out, doing your set when you can to
1: lock it in. But that's also, that's for stand-up. And if you just want to be a writer- you know, there are people who are more prolific writers than me, but for stand-up, the key is getting up mm-hmm. and throwing that shit against the wall over and over and over. Like I said before, and like I said, I write on stage, I, meaning I don't sit at home and write on a computer. I might jot down a note, I carried books for years. I have, my desks are filled with tiny, you don't have to get a Moleskine notebook. You can use a gum wrapper. I've used cocktail napkins. Shreds of serial killer pieces of paper, Mm -hmm. jotting down stuff. Now we have our phones. I write down stuff in the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, But you always want to have, because a good idea can come out of anywhere. I woke up, we had a lot of wine the other night, and I have a, I'm not going to say the joke because it's going to go on the act at four in the morning. I'm just in the living room talking into my phone. Noah's like, are you okay? I'm like, I just got to say this one thing about cake. Uh You also have to not be lazy. Sometimes you're like, I'm so tired and you don't want to write it down. Salvador Dali, the um, Spanish painter, uh, would, I think he would take like opium or something, but he would have a ball in his hand and his claim was that he would get his best ideas as he was falling asleep. So he'd have this ball in his hand and the idea was he would get in his idea and he would, as he was falling asleep, drop the ball. That would wake him up. He would remember the idea. Uh Half the battle is just having the motivation to write down something. Yeah. Always keep a pen around. Always jot down your ideas. Put them all down in a document and uh, get on stage and just work it and rework it over and over and over.
2: Yeah. All right. Time for Top of the Cob. It's the
1: top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. Kick it. Well, obviously the bottom of the cob. Of course, you know, look, I didn't know the baby. I didn't even know the sex of the baby. I didn't get a chance to bomb a small nation for my gender reveal party. Um, for me, really, the bottom of the cob was the trauma of going through our healthcare system and how little anybody cared. And I had to find someone who to be my advocate. But also, my bottom of the cob is um, what did I just write? Was Coffee, it those
2: two different sizes.
1: Coffee PPP. Oh, this is something else. Sorry, that's not it. The two different sizes of the coffee. Coffee PPP. Why did I write that? No. Coffee? coffee? App. Oh, it's an A. Oh. I ranted about this on my Instagram. Look, and I think I've said this before, my bottom of the cob is this new world now because of Corona where you need an app for everything. The food delivery apps are a pain in the ass. They're bad for the restaurant business. You shouldn't be post-mating a cup of coffee. You're a monster. That being said, if I'm in the car, I'm like, ooh, I want to grab a cup of coffee. I shouldn't have to entrust this like ghost company with my credit card information and personal info. Oh, sign in with Google so we know everyone you've ever talked to. It's a fucking cup of coffee. Like, I get that you don't want to handle cash. Let me tap my phone, which already has my info. I, do- I am never downloading the app. I'm not a Starbucks drinker, but I'll fucking drink it because they don't make me do an app. So, not doing it so that what, in six months you can have a data breach and be like, we lost all your info, sorry, you're meaningless. Not happening. It's just, it's too much out there. As it is, I never sign up for stuff and somehow my email ends up on everything. It's just one more thing that we're blindly, one more piece of information we're blindly flinging into an abyss. Just download the app. Ugh, nightmare. No, you don't, you're not getting my business, Alfred.
2: Oh, well, my bottom of the cup is that I had a really bad migraine on Labor Day and I just laid in the dark.
1: You did, and you were not cool on the phone.
2: Should we talk on the phone? We were just
1: texting, and I was like, what, you had a bad vibe. I, was like, I know, I, I just peeled my eyes open to reply to you. You're under no obligation to reply to me on the weekend.
2: Well, that's why I waited until I wasn't dying. Oh, wow.
1: My top of the cob at Starbucks, and again, I'm not a huge Starbucks drinker, and I'm not a huge sweet drink drinker, uh. but the second, the, after i left the doctor's office, and they're like, your fetus is not viable, I was like, well, I'm going to chug down more than my allotted 200 milligrams of coffee. For weeks, I took it so seriously, and I had one cup of coffee a day, and I took it very seriously. It had to be a special cup of coffee, because uh-huh. it used to be i just drink whatever. Starbucks, I saw an ad for something called Pumpkin Cream Cold Brew, and it's delicious. It's cold brew and there's this like thick layer. Korean coffee drinks do this. They do almost like a cream cheese layer, but it's got this creamy pumpkin spice layer and it felt so good to drink it. And even though there's been a heat wave, I was like, mmm, sweater. And I saw this Instagram post that was like, pumpkin cream cold brew, 250 calories. Pumpkin cold foam cold brew, 70 calories. And I'm like, oh, somebody found an anorexic hack. Let me figure this out. So I went to Starbucks today after I denied Bluestone Lane my business because I didn't have an app. The guy was there. I was like, can I just pay you with a credit card? He's like, gotta do it through the app. And I was like, I'm going to Starbucks. Thank God there's one on every corner. Anyways, I showed the barista at Starbucks, the Instagram post. I go, pumpkin cream cold brew, 250 calories. Pumpkin cold foam cold brew, 70 calories. I go, can you make me this one? He goes, I have no idea what that is. He's like, and I can't tell the difference. I guess I could just put no vanilla syrup. Who knows how it worked? I drank it. Was it as good? No. But do with that information what you will, but try that pumpkin cream cold brew for a tasty dessert because it was was autumnal tastings.
2: My top of the cob is finding a new movie that I didn't know about that has someone I like in it and then enjoying it. I found a film on DVD that is not even on uh, Rotten Tomatoes called Sexual Predator, originally named, I think, Last Cry, starring Angie Everhart and Richard Greco, Greco from kid No, what's that show with the 21 Jump Street? I think he was like a big deal in the 80s. Uh great film. Great film? Fun film. I enjoyed it. She's like a cop and he does a crime you and then she's in charge your of it. The top and bottom of the cop can't always I be the I think like, finding no. a specific I found this movie, no one else like the internet doesn't even really know about Here's it. And I own the
1: DVD of it. Here's my personal review. My top and bottom of the cops are always the same. My cat. I don't feel well. movie time. (laughs) But this is
2: specific. Finding this movie that doesn't even exist on Rotten Tomatoes. So I couldn't put... I keep an Excel document of every movie I've watched. Totally normal. And I put in what the Rotten Tomatoes
1: score is and I put in my grade. Real red letter day for you finding that, Jim. But
2: there was not a score. So I couldn't put it in my document. So I had to just put N-A.
1: Okay. Well, I think the story I opened the podcast with is only slightly sadder than what you just said you guys i'm fine we're fine everybody's healthy and happy uh and we love that you're listening thanks for listening to the podcast today this was ask eliza why am i signing off <laughs> I don't like it's know. a radio just say
2: okay bye-bye just click
1: through the next episode thank
2: they don't have a next it's episode the one before yet. it okay